the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight, and I am here in the studio today with Cody Carnahan and Anita Hayhoe, and we are going to be talking about business uh, technology and startups, because we know that millennials and uh, young professionals today are really keen to start their own businesses outside of work. They're keen to be part of their own organizations and build things of value. So we're really excited to be talking about it. And we'll quickly just whip around the room to uh, for everybody to introduce themselves. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, so I am the managing director of Hatch. Um, I we started it four years ago, and I've been running it for the past two years. Um, so Hatch specializes in digital strategy, business automation, and web development. Cool. And just uh, just for the listeners at home, that was Cody and Anita. Hi, I'm Anita Hayho from Idealog Magazine, and that ties into uh, technology because we are a a business magazine that focuses on technology, science, and innovation. I'm in the commercial management space, so I come up with ideas for clients and uh, pitch to keep Idealog running smoothly. Fantastic! And as well as um, as running the commercial side, Anita, I know you you run quite a few of your own little businesses. Yes, well, I've been dabbling uh, here and there. I haven't really got the key one that's going to propel me forward into fame and fortune just yet. <laughs> but the first one that I started was a little jewellery business called She Pines, and that was handmade crystal necklaces. Um, and the second one was working on an app with a group that I had developed from Startup Weekend. It was called Foster, so it was uh, Airbnb for pets, or um, oh, that seems so typical these days, you know, the Uber of everything. And uh, um, yeah, so it was kind of peer-to-peer pet care. Very, very cool. Um, and I was I was reading an Idealog the other day online that um, there was this feature on, on Jake Miller from Unfiltered, and uh, I know everybody's talking about him today, and, um, and fair enough too, because he's doing amazing things. But one of his favorite questions that, if you go back among all his interviews, is, if you could go back, would you go to university? And what are the pros and cons of that? And uh, just before we started uh, recording this podcast, we were talking about it because I know, Cody, you've had um, an interesting experience with, with university. Yeah, so I um, finished school. Um, and uh, fortunately, I had been involved in a startup uh, that I started with a few classmates um, when I was 17. And um, after doing that, I knew that I really wanted to be in technology and the web development space. Um, so I was looking um, out there to what was available in terms of education and what I should do next, next steps to get into that. Um, I started at Auckland University doing computer science, um, and I spent a semester doing that. Um, and what I struggled with was actually finding um, some kind of some link to the web development industry. And I, you learn software development and principles, but I had already been programming for a few years, and I was I was kind of feeling a little bit underwhelmed. Um, so I started looking uh, to see what was out there at the time. So this was probably about six years ago now. There wasn't a lot in terms of web development and what was, uh, 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 from a tertiary point of view, but I ended up going to media design school. Um, and and I thought, um, I mean, the, the main goal when going there was to network. Um, and uh, people do ask this question a lot, um, being someone who's dropped out of uni, or ask me this question a lot. Um, and 
my answer is always that it depends. Uh, some people, they have the skills when they leave school um, and they know what they want to do and they just go for it and that works really well for them. Some people, they haven't really worked in a commercial sense or they haven't worked with other people. Um, and that's what I got in terms of value out of media design school and that I got to work with quite a few people um, and, 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 and network and develop skills in a group context and that really um, helped me uh, in terms of starting Hatch. Awesome. And uh, I remember when you dropped out of uni, because Cody and I have been friends for, for many years since probably since high school days. And I was um, part of that, that startup. It was called Spectrum, by the way, um, which the, the Facebook page, the business Facebook page for that is still live. And I got a notification, I think this morning when I woke up, I was like, who is liking our page? This page has had zero content added to it for about, I don't know, like five, six years. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like somebody's still involved with it anyway we're not here to talk about that but um i remember when you dropped out of uni cody and i thought i thought man this guy's crazy like what what, what's he what's he doing dropping out of uni and um i i I was completely wrong because now i I should have mentioned at the start of the podcast now i i kind of work for cody at hatch (laughs) yeah well it's it's one of those things that um, it's hard to uh, to understand um at the time because i mean the university pathway is such a secure pathway and, and lots of um, people's eyes um, and you weren't the only person who thought that um, but I, I I'm a, you know how I work I like to think through things and make the best decision and I did spend a lot of time talking to people going to the different university campuses looking for al- other alternatives um, and and how I could um, kind of pursue that pathway and there just wasn't anything out there so uh, if you looking back would you would you stick to stick to your guns and say that if you know that what you want to do and you've got a very clear idea in mind don't bother going to university or or what's your what's your sort of thoughts around that i like i said i think it depends um but definitely if you know what you want to do and there's a way to do to to get out there and 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 jump jump in straight into things then i would do that um fortunately in the web uh, industry there's a lot of content out there and you can um kind of educate yourself and work Mm -hmm. through it if you if you do have the kind of um perseverance and motivation and drive to do that um, but it is hard it is hard not have being in a classroom because um, i did i did start teaching myself from about the age of 14 15 um and that was really hard like and i can see how that it's a lot different to our team now who who learn a lot differently and have have other people to bounce ideas back off so it's really industry dependent as well to see where we where, where you're at and what industry and where you're going to go, what the dynamics of that industry is, whether you actually can um, learn from a tertiary institution um, in that industry. I know particularly for web, you were like, oh, this computer science stuff, like like this isn't even teaching me anything that's useful for the, for the industry. Like I can't use this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like, uh, I mean, you wouldn't be too happy to have a, a doctor um, that doesn't have a degree um, operating on your brain. Um, so, I mean, it does, it does depend on the, it, it does depend on the industry. Oh, I'd sure. Say. And Anita, you, you went to uni, right? Yeah, I went to uni. Um, my parents basically didn't give me a choice. It was a, like, you know, you go, you finish high school, you go to uni. Um, and so I did a, a commerce degree in marketing and international business, which is pretty stock standard. At the time, I really wanted to do fashion design. Um, but I thought if I want to work in fashion, I could probably study business and then go through that way. 
For me, I found uni pretty valuable in terms of finding myself. I think at school I was in in some of the smart classes and I was quite relaxed with my study ethic because I'd always, you know, just be able to do things quite easily. And then when I got to uni, I, I really changed my mentality around and I think it did take that period of study time to turn around. So I went from the like, yeah, passing's great to like, I really want to do the best that I can. And so, yeah, I proved to myself that I could. And in that time, I found um, my passion for marketing and for advertising, and which is where I'm in now. And it got me the foot in the door to the right place. So my first job, which was in a chartered accountancy, um, pushing zero accounting software packages. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think in terms of my personal skill and connections, I didn't have that many uh, coming from Avondale College. Um, a lot of my friends, they didn't. Uh, go to university actually so um, the connections I really made at university helped uh, mm. shape I don't know some of my friendships that are that are current it kind of comes from where you're where you're at at that stage as well because like I remember at 18 I wouldn't have been able to go out and ju- just do what I'm doing doing now um, you know I, I did a I did a four-year degree in opera singing and music and gosh <laughs> I, I tell you what I do nothing like that now apart from in the shower of course um <laughs> You know, and, and some economic stuff, which which I use really. Um, but you're right; it's about like that kind of kind of development thing. So I guess what we're saying is like, if you if you've got a set vision in mind, or you, you know, you're you're really onto something, like like Jack Miller was, or like Cody was, like go go out and 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 make a good go of it. Oh, you see, smiling that yeah, I put no, him in the I same sentence as that. Cody. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, you know, or if you need to find yourself, like the like like me, or or maybe Anita, because we're on the artsy side, then um, yeah. In the same sense, though, the content I didn't find that valuable. Like I went into my job and I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I thought and I knew what I was doing. <laughs> everything that I've learned now is definitely by the by the jobs and the tasks that I've been given, and um, I guess. Yeah, working on real-life examples. I think that's the thing everyone struggles with when going to university is it's very hard to make a connection between what you're learning and the theory, in a sense of theory, but uh, to um, applying that, uh, you know, practically. Um, and everybody, I, I'm sure everybody that goes to university, you hear that line, oh, I didn't really understand or, or I didn't see how the, that, that what I was learning was um, valuable, but, you know, now that I've started to learn some stuff, it kind of it fits in. Um, but I think that we can see in, in universities in general uh, a big push towards having a, a practical component and making mm-hmm. sh- things, you know, have having collaborative projects, having group projects um, and, 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 and trying to replicate or imitate a, an actual commercial setting. Definitely. There's a lot of that going on at the moment with AUT and CoLab and um, I guess they're even starting their own startup weekend um, kind of in the same way that there is the mm, startup because even at um, University of Waikato there was like quite strong support for some of those those startup weekends and we're going to we're going to talk about it later in the podcast but we'll just flick around our structure um, to talk about um, start, startup weekends now because um, you, you'd mentioned Anita that you'd started um, your Airbnb for pet sitting um business and an app from Startup Weekend and I'd love to hear a little bit about how that collaboration worked. I think Startup Weekend is a great way to meet people but I really learned that it was not a great way to start a business so we we all came together with this idea um, and we we ended up flip-flopping 
Uh, so we actually dropped it halfway through the startup weekend and then picked it back up towards the end. Um, but then once we uh, did our presentation, it was one of the best received ideas in terms of social media and sharing and, um, I mean, the research behind things like like communities. So pets are like a, a bit of a community and there's generally eight times more engagement online um, with things that are community community based. So um, yeah, we were feeling quite a good high off the end of the startup weekend and decided to continue catching up. Um, and we had everybody that we needed on the team. So two product developers um, and coders, uh, two marketing people um, and some research uh, and development as well as I guess my side, I'm attached to, to some media. So um, I was a bit of, uh, yeah, the marketing and media side. Um, and yeah, after we'd caught up quite a few times, having, I think, six co-founders is, though bootstrapping seems like a great idea, it just was too many personalities to really manage a, a clear direction and a, um, yeah, I think to just all agree on one thing. So uh, towards the, I, I guess, the point where we had decided to discontinue was when we'd had a look at all validating all of our ideas. We were in the park on the weekends, um, like asking people, you know, where they drop their pets when they um, when they go on a holiday and all of that. And um, yeah, we uh, after looking online, there's there are some competitors, and I think we just looked at the success of those competitors and thought, can we do it better? And um, it was one of those things we just decided to disperse. Yeah, and it's a hard thing trying to start something from zero with six people and six personalities and six visions for what for what it could be um it's just like such a big team that you don't get any clarity unless you're all on the same page so what do you kind of mean when you're saying it's a great place to go and get business ideas but not a great place to start a business well we'll start at weekends so it's 54 hours where you're stuck working on this idea with a bunch of people that you've never met before and it's just a really good way to firstly push yourself because, you know, often if you're working day to day, you don't really have a deadline such as the end of the weekend to really get as much thing, as much stuff done as possible. So, um, yeah, and also, you know, you meet incredible people like designers, people that are already working in established organizations like Spark or on, uh, on new startups like Movio or um, I just think that it's a really good way if you did find a few people and maybe it wasn't the right idea from start at weekend um, you could probably at least have met somebody that you might be interested in continuing an idea with in the future and I guess that kind of is, is, is the difference when you've got a, a startup weekend is that people are coming there because they just want to you know get involved with something and, and try something and, and, and get part of be a part of the experience whereas you don't as opposed to having five people that are passionate about you know, um, looking after dogs, getting together and then, and then creating and executing on that idea. But I think there's still a lot of value in that experience, even though I haven't been there and done it myself. That's actually a good point that it's about validating and um, qualifying your, your founders and what their interests are. Is it that they just want to be part of something or is it that they want to be actually part of um, of the business itself. And I know that you've personally got um, an interest in, in dog sitting and sharing it around. I'd love you to share the story. We were, we, Anita and I were catching up for coffee last Friday and she started talking about the most interesting experience she's had with dog yeah. sitting. So if we're talking about validating ideas. I um, signed up to one of the competitors that would have been a, f a competitor of Foster called Poor Shake. 
And, um, you know, I love dogs always. Uh, there's a dog, uh, dogs allowed policy in the office. So that's where I get a lot of my fix. But also um, my granddad's got a dog and I often take it for the weekend. Or, um, And yeah, so I got one of my first inquiries through and it was supposed to be a cute uh, bulldog called Pippi and um, <laughs> rolls up to my house on, uh, for, on Thursday night and I, I just see it completely tearing away from its owners and in, that was one of my first warning signs like this dog doesn't seem like it has much training so yeah I, I ended up taking it for a walk around the park it completely escaped its harness and I was I, I grabbed it on, um, <laughs> and uh, you know like it just seemed like there is a lot more that can go wrong when you're looking after someone else's pet than you would anticipate <laughs> Uh, yeah, in the end, I ended up saying to them, like, they, they clearly not trained their dog at all, and that's not the way, personally, I would look after a dog. I'm quite strict in that sense. And so I, I said that I don't think I'm the right person to look after <laughs> a pet. Well, that doesn't have a lot to do with tech or business, but oh, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Um, and just speaking of um, startup weekends, we're going to do a mini live sort of startup now. So we've got... Um, eight sectors in front of us, everything from finance to politics to transportation and agriculture. And I have got my trusty no leaming bag uh, back with my eight ping pong balls. And we're randomly going to pick out one of, one of the table tennis balls and which matches against the eight sectors. And then we're going to spend some time thinking of ideas for whatever sector comes out. And uh, you're both looking at me slightly horrified, but uh, I think it's going to be fun. So, Anita, do you want to pull out the uh, ping pong ball? Can I reach that far? Wait, I'm going to come over to you. What was it? Number eight. Number eight. Oh, okay. So this is, um, the sector is politics. Ooh. So we're going to spend some, some a little bit of time talking about ideas uh, for potential businesses within the political sector. And the whole reason we're doing this is um, to, A, give listeners some ideas and, B, show um, how what can come out of three friends sitting around at a bar or whatever. Not that we're at a bar. Um, I wish. Uh, yeah, I wish too. Um, we were saying we should have some whiskey with us while we're recording this. I assure you we don't at the moment. Next um, episode. Yeah, next episode, definitely. Um, and maybe the ideas would be more creative if we did that. Um, but yeah, we're going to spend some time just jamming ideas for uh, the political sector. Okay. I, I think the first place to start, would that be um, the problem? Like what are the problems with politics at the moment? Cool. And so how does how does that... Uh, uh, just just to walk listeners through it as well, how does that fit with like your process for, for coming up with ideas? Uh, I guess you need to fit into a market and you need to mm -hmm. find a gap in the market. So in that sense, yeah, the problem is the best place to start. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just like if you're when you're coming up with with ideas for a business, businesses at their fundamental level have to solve a problem. So yes. so starting with um, problems. What do you guys think about uh, problems in the political sector? I think communication and mm. I guess understanding what each, uh, I guess, political member and what their... What stances. Their, yeah, stances. I think there's a... Uh, I mean, in New Zealand, well, I'm not, not getting too opinionated on politics. Go on. Um, we've got a lot of people that vote based on um, lots of things that don't include policy um, and, and where, where parties actually stand. So I think it would be good to have an easy, digestible way to know 
um, you know, or have, have or maybe share for, for uh, political parties or MPs to share their opinion on different things. So if people actually did want to be educated on that, it would be easy to know, like, say, if we're talking about uh, what's topical at the moment. Um, age of retirement. Age of retirement, you know, and, and you could see different potentially what other MPs think about uh, about it or where parties stand on that. And so you can actually, I guess, align your political compass with that. That's kind of cool because I even um, a couple of weeks ago we recorded uh, the NZYP pol- political episode uh, and we were talking about exactly that as like how do you figure out how to vote because mm. at the moment like people people want to vote I assume people want to vote but it's like well how how do you figure that out with it when you can't figure out what somebody's stance is or what their priorities are. Mm-hmm. I think it's also making it um, digestible so that people actually can be bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of pe- like there is, I guess there is information out there. If you did want to go and investigate it, you would. But I think it's just too overwhelming mm-hmm. um, that people just just don't care and, and vote yeah. what their family has or what they think. Or well, here's a, here's another potential problem that we could look into. Um, the polling at the moment um, is pretty pretty abysmal because the way polling works is they go through the phone book and they call people up, mm-hmm. but that discounts people like... I, I imagine all three of us don't have a home phone. At, uh, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't have a home phone. I haven't had nope. one for about six years. I haven't so, received a home phone call since I was about 14. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so true. So when people, when pollsters are going around trying to talk to people, they're typically not getting people like like us. And that's why we've seen polls being so far out, like in both in terms of Brexit and um, like the, tr- the Trump vote is the obvious one to point our fingers at because polling was so far off. So it's like, okay, how can we redo polling or reimagine polling so that we have more accurate data? I think it would be yeah. quite cool if that could get pushed out on the fly as well. I mean, the government, I mean, you know, we, we do referendums and there's a, a huge cost of that. Imagine if we could actually push out um, kind of questions or polls from the, whether it's the government or whatever um, and get people's ideas on things and that could be incentivized. They could take the cost of that and sending out letters to everybody or whatever it is and, and actually um, and send that out on the fly and do it digitally. I think that would be quite cool. That's kind would of you, cool. Sorry, go for it, Anita. Would you use a mobile app, just knowing that you work in the digital space, do you think apps are still relevant? Would you use an app for this? Um, well, that's, a, that's the question. I mean, it could be done through email, but... I think that there's actually the plat- um, platform out there now with uh, the government's kind of the, the real me, you know, the login system where, the, mm-hmm. where they're starting to standardize it over heaps of different things. Even logging into zero now, you can link the two together. Yeah. So, I mean, there's potential to do it if they incentivize it. I mean, I don't know, could you discount taxes or something like that or, you know, or give you a rebate if you did it on your phone or something like that? It would be of value to them to be able to do that. Or even I'm thinking like uh, when you mentioned referendums or referenda, um, <laughs> We, like the flag referendum costs like $26 million or whatever. What if if we thought a referendum like the anti-smacking bill or something was going to be um, like quite decisively won by one camp? So say we thought, cool, we're doing the keep the flag referendum and we thought, okay, 80% of people are going to say yes or no. You could like validate that first using a small sample um, online and be like, okay, look, people don't want to change, based on the sample, people don't want to change the flag or they don't want to get rid of the anti-smacking bill or something. So there's no point in even going for a referendum and then you're saving the government money and maybe you sell it to government or um, you know local government and then uh, you're getting paid for those services. Taking the MVP approach to government. Oh, what? <laughs> just, just oh, gosh, it'll be the first time anybody's taken an MVP approach. <laughs> and, and government. Um, just so just so people are aware, Cody, what is the MVP approach? 
Um, so uh, MVP is about um, t- oh, it's quite a cliche term these days. So MVP stands for minimum viable product. So it's about um, coming up. So we have a problem. Um, coming up with a solution or the minimum with the minimum amount of of I guess features or components to it that would allow you to validate whether the idea um, has legs. So taking um, in this sense perhaps um, taking this app to a, a small population of people, um, uh, pushing out some kind of notifications or some questions or referendums or polls out to these people um, and seeing you know, what sort of response you get back um, and whether, the, whether people actually would do this before you roll it out on a, on a larger scale. So it's mm-hmm. just about um, kind of bootstrapping um, the development of a business uh, to ensure that you're not making too many assumptions about what people would want and how they would use it and spending heaps of money on, on, on all of these things and these features you think might be nice mm. and actually saying, here is a very basic version of it. Let's see what people do and whether they actually want it first and then how can we develop this based on feedback to get the best um, possible outcome. Because then you're, A, you're saving costs yes. and B, you're providing a way better product because you're actually giving people what they want. And you mentioned um, bootstrapping before, Anita. Can you just um, talk a little bit about w- what that term means? So bootstrapping is when you basically try not to get too much in the way of investment and you use the funds that are available for you. Um, and so in our sense, like skill is basically free if you get the, uh, get people on board, in a sense, because you don't actually um, want too many personalities involved, as mentioned. But um, uh, yeah, so um, it's trying to do everything on your own budget. Cool. Very, very cool. So just getting back to our sort of live startup weekend and instead of 54 hours, we've got 10 minutes or five minutes or or whatever. We've kind of come up with this problem about polling and and communication. And the one thing I'd just add is that um, our customer in, in this kind of sense, if we're solving this problem, might not necessarily be like people. And when I say people, I mean like the public being like, oh, I'm going to pay to vote or something or like pay to be polled. It's possibly more likely that it would be the government or organisations who have like a political interest, maybe like the mining sector or the the petroleum sector, like the oil sector. Maybe they want to do some sort of polling and would have to validate that. So we'd have to go talk to them, like, is this even an issue for you? If it is, then maybe we can solve it, Um, whether via um, like an app or maybe uh, we have like text voting. Because you can, you know, say we had a database of people's mobile phone numbers, you were able to send them out texts uh, and really quickly get that data back. So what do you think about this issue? Uh, Reply with yes or no. You know, do you think fracking's an issue? Is this a concern for you? Yes or no? And I guess it's kind of, uh, you could liken it to what businesses do now anyway, and that's run focus groups. Um, and essentially, it's it's a it's a well, I wouldn't say instantaneous, but much more accessible um, focus group. And they could, I mean, businesses if that if they were the customer could incentivize it, and would I imagine be willing to fork out um, money for that, seeing as they're going to be doing that in other means anyway. Is, is that kind of what like? Uh, and we're, maybe we're harking back a couple of years now. Do you guys remember Smile City? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is that still a thing? Like, I see all the time, like, get paid for your opinions. Like, is this kind of the road we're going down? I really don't know if Smile City is still around. However, I saw an app uh, today that's called Vox Pop Me, and it's basically getting community research via video. So they send you poll and survey questions, and you get paid for them. But you get to reply over a video um, uh, through the app, I believe. That's kind of cool, because I imagine one of the key problems with that business would be like, 
you know, if you're just giving me a whole heap of like multi-choice questions, I could just go through randomly and try and answer as many as possible because I get paid for doing that. While if it's like a video uh, reply, you can weed out the ones who weren't like genuine reviews and then like incentivize people to be like, we're going to pay you for a good review. So do a video one because then they're kind of accountable for that. Yeah. But then the question is like, are, are there like grandmas out there and um, who who don't want to be like videoed or whatever because the, I don't know, like old people and their their like fears about stuff like that. I think it would probably be uh, targeted towards the youth side of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sixteen uh, to I guess that's 35. one of the potential problems of this idea or, or um, solution is that it does uh, or have the potential to eliminate um, people who may may not have access to a smartphone. But I guess it could be used to counteract that kind of poor youth mm. engagement. Um, that we do get in, in, um, in referendums or, or polls uh, I don't, you know, mm. that you brought up, Ed. And maybe it's that, like, polls at the moment, they're really quantitative. And what I mean by that is you'll get, like, 60% of people think this or 30% of people think this. But with what we're kind of talking about or you were talking about before with a, a video review, that's far more qualitative so that if you say political parties or businesses were, were looking for more feedback in terms of, oh, here are some other ideas or whatever. Um, it's far more qualitative from the video interviews because you can't really get the data out of it. Yeah, and also I think it allows for social interaction as well. So if you're surveying and interviewing about certain products and um, you know people have, have things to say about it, I believe that that information can be used for social media or it could be um, repurposed for, um, to, to create that brand engagement. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. You read the terms and conditions for everything, everyone. There you go. And the, and the privacy policy. <laughs> know how they're using your email. <laughs> so I suppose we've, we've sort of come up with this idea and it's been, it's been quite random and we did not pre-plan this. Um, but we've come, kind of come up with this idea about polling or a problem in terms of a communication. Um, we identified that people don't really know about political parties, so maybe there's a solution in that. And then the one that we've more talked about in polling, so government agencies, political parties, businesses, not really understanding their constituents or their customers and rolling out some sort of technical solution. We haven't outlined exactly what that might be, but um, some ideas about how you might roll that out. So have you guys have you guys sort of found found this segment of the show? Yeah, this has been fun. I was thinking politics is not really my forte at the beginning, but uh, in the sense of when you think about actually what are my um, you know what are my limitations with politics at the moment, and how could I get the most out of uh, connecting with um, M- MPs and um, with current policy, and it would probably be something that was a little bit closer to me and that collated all of the information. Um, and that made it digestible as well as possibly helped me understand a little bit more of the personality of, of the MPs as well. So, um, yeah, I guess in that sense, when you said qualitative for video, the, the thing that video uh, does is, uh, you know, you get to understand a little bit more behaviourally. How have you found it, Cody? Well, I thought it was going to be a bit harder um, than, than this. It's actually been quite you came fun. in with about five pages of notes, right? <laughs> no. Actually, funnily enough, this wasn't one of the categories I picked one for. Um, so I was, I was sitting here freaking out a bit. No. Um, <laughs> it, it's, been, it's been good. And, um, I mean, it just shows um, how easy it is to just kind of sit down and have a yarn. Um, make, you know, by taking that MVP approach, or, you know, you're, it's, it's quite easy to come up with some kind of basic ideas. Yeah. And if we say we were to, like, 
we're, we're, we're dead hot on this idea. We want to go and implement it. And Nito, like, what, what would you do from your experience from Startup Weekend? Like, what would you do next? So we've got this idea. What do we do? Have we got the minimum viable product? Oh, oh we I'm haven't developed it yet. We'd have to talk to uh, Cody about developing it. So we'd develop <laughs> some sort of, like, prototype or, like, MVP that we could go and talk to people about. Yeah. So I guess there's the, um, the Lean Canvas, which is um, – uh, which goes through problem solutions and and market validation and research. So definitely a lot of people say that market validation is is key. Um, I would say before we come up with any dev going out to the streets asking people um, how they find, uh, I guess, their political information and how they keep informed um, and asking all the questions that would make the app uh, – I guess, better. Mm -hmm. Um, Then from there, I mean, it takes a little bit of time to to develop, but you've got to do some beta testing. Uh, I'm focused on the media side, so I'm usually the person to talk to after you've already come up with the product. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pass. (laughs) Um, So I guess guess the real takeaway from this is that if you – if you want to start your own business and you're in your spare time and Anita's, Anita's done it, Cody's gone out and done it himself, get some friends around. I kind of like this idea of putting down some sectors and, and, and adding some chance to it because I think it, it comes up with new ideas you wouldn't have otherwise thought of because it forces you to think about politics. And that's a bit, when you pulled number eight out of your bag, I was like, oh my gosh, what are, like, what are we going <laughs> to, I was like, what are we yeah. going to come up with in the political sector? I literally have no idea. Um, but you can come up with stuff. You know, there are opportunities everywhere. So sit down with some friends, have a few wines or whiskeys because that's going to get the creative juices flowing. Um, come up with an idea and just go hundy for it. So the last thing I just wanted to talk about before we wrap up is um, collaboration, which fits up into uh, startup weekends um, quite clearly because we've talked a lot about collaboration and um, how to be more collaborative. And um, I know, Cody, you've had some ideas about this um, yourself in the past. And I'd just love if you could share some of those. Yeah, sure, Ed. Um, so um, collaboration is an interesting thing, and it's um, one of those things that's been thrown around a lot lately. Open workspaces, um, kind of creating uh, intentional places for people to collaborate in, 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 in offices and, and things like that. Um, and I think it's become, it's almost uh, not too cliche, but I think that people have kind of lost the meaning of, of what that actually means. And we have a saying um, at Hatch um, that, that collaboration should be intentional. Um, you know, it's not okay. I mean, collaboration isn't just sitting down and, and just talking. Um, you know, it has to have a it has to have a purpose. And I think people need to bring something to the table when you're when you're sitting down and you're having and you're talking and you're trying to create a solution. You actually have to have something to bring to that. I like um, that you said uh, collaboration isn't sitting around and talking. And that's literally, <laughs> that, that's literally what I did. <laughs> that's literally what this is. But no, um, continue. No, um, but you had an agenda. I, yes. I did have an agenda. There you go. I brought something. I sent this to you guys last night. Yeah, there. you spent time writing numbers on ping pong balls. <laughs> Actually, I'd pre-planned that because I did it for an earlier episode because we're st- I'm still waiting on my Wheel of Fortune to come. I, you know, you wouldn't believe how expensive these gaming wheels are. And I know we're getting off the, the topic of collaboration at the moment. But I was I was looking for one. And these are like the, the spinny bingo. Oh, not bingo. But the wheels you'll see at like galas or fairs for like primary schools where they spin the wheel and 
somebody who's got number 16 like gets a gets the prize or whatever um the meat hamper um and i was looking for one on like fish pond it was gonna cost like four to five hundred dollars for a spinning game wheel and i had to search all over alibaba and ali direct <laughs> and all the stuff ended up getting it off, off ebay for for about two hundred dollars but i still thought that was quite expensive so another takeaway for young people looking to get in business Find a cheaper way to produce and distribute spinning game wheels. Because I will well no, I won't I won't be after you because I've already bought one now, so I'm not in the but market. You can't see a spinning game wheel on a podcast, Ed. No, well the idea is that it clicks. So it, <laughs> I'm you, sorry you could have I, I mean you can't see a no leaming bag either. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just 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 to wrap this up. Um, if people were looking to track you down, Anita, online, of course, like how would they do that? Google me. <laughs> what, what happens if you Google Anita Hayho? Uh, I think it comes up with Idealog pretty fast. Um, but yeah, you can find me on um, yeah the Idealog website, uh, usually under the Advertise Us space. Or you could personally email me at anita at tangiblemedia.co.nz. Fantastic. And Cody, if anybody's looking to track you down? Um, if you're looking to track me down, uh, so... I am oh, first thing that comes up when you search me is obviously Hatch, um, and um, I'm happy to have a chat to anybody that's um, looking to get into our industry or want to know more about it. I know it's a very difficult one to get into, um, so yeah, if you if you want to have a chat about anything, uh, you can email me at Cody at Hatch.nz. And I am your host Ed McKnight of the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. Uh, check us out at New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast.com or hit subscribe on uh, your favorite podcast listening app. If you want to get in touch with me directly, my email is ed at edmcknight.com or just track me down on anything to do with uh, NZ Young Professionals. Until next time, bye. The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. 